Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Titan Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I hope you're having a fine whenever the heck you end up listening to this. Me? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Been thinking some lately, which can always be a bit of a danger. Had someone ask me, and not for the first time, if you could live in any era ever, what would it be? And I think people are always surprised when I say, well, it would be right now. And I don't mean that in like a overly optimistic power of positive thinking, make today the best you can ever make it type of way. Although, I mean, yeah, I guess you should do those things. But yeah, I know a guy who whenever you ask him how he's doing, he says, never had a bad day in my life. And my natural reaction is I always really want to punch him in the stomach and say, still? But I guess that's just the kind of jerk that I am. But I feel that in general, the negative of previous eras outweighs the positive. I mean, sure, I would love to hear Dean Martin perform in his youth, but I would also rather not get polio. So, you know, I think I'll just listen to a record. However, there are certain jobs that don't exist anymore, which I would love to have. When I say certain jobs right now, I can only think of one of them. I don't want to go and be like a Victorian chimney sweep. That sounds terrible. Doing sound effects for old radio shows sounds pretty cool. I don't think I would be particularly good at it. But one thing that I think I could do pretty well that would be a lot of fun is make karaoke videos, which I don't think they have anymore, and I think that's kind of a shame. I worked for a couple of years as a karaoke jockey, which... I may have mentioned on the show before, I'm not sure if I have. It was sometimes fun, oftentimes not so fun. But every once in a while, there would be these videos that would run behind the lyrics that they would display on the screen. And some of them were just the goddamn craziest things I had ever seen. And I miss those. I don't think they make them anymore. And there was one specific one that was for Tide is High by Blondie, which had... Silhouettes of people wearing day-glow suits, throwing cats, apparently into the ocean. Now, I don't think cats should be thrown into the ocean. It was just so goddamn weird, and I don't think they were really throwing cats into the ocean. But I didn't know what was happening at any point, and it was just this amazing, like, two-and-a-half-minute art film that had Blondie lyrics in front of it. And that was not that uncommon. It must have been so cool to just be like, oh, we don't care what it is. We just want some visual content. Nobody's going to be paying attention to it. Here's a budget. Make a three-minute film. I kind of wish that job still existed. Anyway, we got a comic book to talk about. So, without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Humza Kazmi who I'm almost certainly mispronouncing your name. I'm so sorry. I didn't know Titan or Defender history. A few 90s comics, the rest was mystery. But a friend plugged a podcast, said they walk you all through it. Learn Speedy is outclassed. See Strange, think he's hot shit. Hear Raven be spooky. Cheer Valkyrie's hewing. Find out what Wong and Aqualad have been doing. Now I'm true believer, no longer a novice. Stop reading this poem. Hub, go read a synopsis. Thanks, Humza. That was dope. But don't tell me what to do. But damn it, now I have to read the synopsis. Man, ending those synopsis rhymes on an imperative is a pretty good trick. 
Nice job. Defenders number 16, October 1974. Alpha, the ultimate mutant. Written by Len Wein, drotted by Sal Buscema, with inks by Mike Esposito. Defensive lineup. The Incredible Hulk, Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, Nighthawk, and Professor X. Previously in the Defenders. C-minus Batman knockoff Nighthawk had recently joined the Defenders, so Stephen Strange was showing his new non-teammate all the cool mystical shit he owns. Unfortunately, Steve's impromptu episode of Cribs was interrupted when the cosmic collectible curating conjurer received an emergency psychic distress call from one Professor Charles Xavier. The Tor-interrupting telepath psychically informed the Defenders that he had uncovered a world-threatening menace that required superheroic thwarting. And, since Charlie's usual team, the X-Men, were too busy not being popular enough to have new issues of their own comic book published right then, Chuck reckoned he'd see if Strange and the gang could lend a hand. Strange agreed to assist the aid-asking academic, and the Defenders headed off to rendezvous with the Professor in New Mexico at the entrance to Carlsbad Cabins. Seemed like Charlie X might have wanted to telepathically fill the gang in on the nature of the threat, either right then or during the flight to the southwest, or as the quintet of costumed crime fighters began their descent into the cave. But apparently, either Charles wasn't feeling astrally chatty, or he knew how much the gang liked being surprised. Because it wasn't until they got ambushed mid-spelunk that the defenders found out they were up against Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Surprise! The malevolent master of magnetism did not share his archenemy's aversion to exposition, and after magnetizing up our heroes, he filled them in on, well, a whole bunch of shit. Turns out that a few months ago, the Avengers got pissed at Magneto and jammed him in a magic snow globe at the center of the Earth. Bad move, Avengers! Magneto escaped because of a comet or something, and on his way back to the service, stumbled across the ruins of an ancient technologically advanced civilization, learned to read their language, went to their library, and looked up their recipe for creating a super mutant. Busy fellow! The perfidious polymath looked up his old buddies, the Blob, Mastermind, Unis the Untouchable, and Lorelei, the Savage Lands one, not the Asgardian, and reassembled his imaginatively named team, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Charlie X and the Defenders proved not to be the most appreciative audience for Magneto's tale of archaeological daring do and questionable co-worker reunions. They beat the crud out of the Brotherhood. Hooray! But then Magneto calls them a bunch of stupid idiots and tells them that his new super mutant is just about finished baking and they're all hosed. Gadzooks! Will the Master of Magnetism display the same aptitude for naming his new creation that he does for team naming? What acts of heroism will the Defenders display to thwart their evil foes? And what fate awaits the evil brotherhood? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so let's see. Well, like the title says, he names his ultimate mutant Alpha the ultimate mutant, so, yep, pretty much. Attacking a newborn and destroying a national park for starters, and hopefully the best spin-off miniseries of all time that I really want Marvel to let me write. Fingers crossed. So the timer goes off and Magneto unveils his new ultimate mutant. Um... Look, Magneto, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but you might want to pop that thing back in the oven for a few minutes. I don't think it's done. Alpha, the ultimate mutant, looks like an enormous misshapen Tor Johnson from the old Ed Wood movies. He's like if a huge muscle-bound Telly Savalas got jammed in a ragged loincloth and stung by about a million bees. Not a great look. As soon as Alpha steps out of his birthing pod, Doctor Strange zaps him in the face with a bolt of bedevilment. Jesus, Steve. Dude just got born one second ago and hasn't done anything yet. Welcome to Earth. Alpha doesn't seem crazy about getting blasted in the face, but it doesn't appear to have any lasting effect. 
Steve attempts to double down on magic punching the muscle baby, but a scared and confused Alpha has erected an impenetrable force field around himself. Good move, because Hulk steps in next and tries to smash, but no dice. Magneto helpfully explains that Alpha's mutant power is the power to have every power. Oh, so magnetism. Blob helpfully suggests that seeing as their newborn buddy is omnipotent and all, why not have him kill the defenders? Makes sense. Magneto says, no, 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 don't you see? It's more evil if we don't kill them. Because, well, just because, okay? Instead, the malevolent magnetic mutant uses his own powers to seal off the exit to the cave, and then instructs Alpha to use his everything powers to teleport the bad guys out of the cave, leaving our heroes sealed inside. Oh, shit. Charlie X asks if Steve can teleport the good guys out of the cave, but Steve explains that even though that is something he can sometimes do, for some reason today his power set doesn't involve teleportation. Okay. Fortunately, Val is like, Hey, I got this magic sword. Let's see if it can cut through national parks. Turns out it can. Hooray! I mean, I'm not a particular fan of the destruction of national parks, but I am a fan of Dragon Fang actually being able to cut through something. So, hooray. Using a combination of Val's sword, the Hulk's fist, and Steve's magic blasts, the defenders are able to tunnel through the sheer rock wall to freedom. Unfortunately, though their efforts to collectively Kool-Aid man harder than they've ever Kool-Aid manned before are ultimately successful, they are not without consequence. When they have nearly completed Kool-Aid manning through the mountainside, the tunnel they've built starts collapsing around them. The Hulk bravely volunteers to stay behind and hold up the ceiling so that the others might escape. The Green Goliath's non-teammates make it out okay, but seconds later, the whole mountain crashes down on top of the Hulk, and presumably destroys Carlsbad Caverns as well. The Hulk's teammates are distraught at the apparent death of their non-teammate, and are moved by his noble sacrifice. Well, most of them are. Doctor Strange just kind of shrugs and goes, Well, maybe it's for the best that he's dead now. Anyways. Damn it, Steve. Fortunately, both the team's grief and Steve's callous indifference are premature. Of course, the Hulk smashes his way out of the rubble and is fine. Hooray! But I'm not forgetting that shit, Strange. Charlie X uses his mental mumbo-jumbo to locate Magneto and his entourage. Turns out the magnet-manipulating mutant malcontent has taken his team to New York City. Probably to get some of that non-pace brand salsa. Does his evil know no bounds? When we catch up to the potentially salsa-seeking supervillain, we see that since teleporting his nominally evil cohorts to the Big Apple, Alpha seems to have advanced a bit, both physically, he now looks like a slightly overgrown Vin Diesel, and mentally, he is now able to piece together simple rudimentary sentences, again, like Vin Diesel. With their Diesel-esque demi-deity in tow, Magneto and his baddie buddies storm into the United Nations and demand that Magneto be given a podium. Once he has the floor, the ornately helmeted orator addresses the assembly and insists that the governments of the world hand over the reins of power to mutant kind in general and Magneto specifically, lest the manufacturer of magnetic mayhem unleash his puissant progeny Alpha on the world. He finishes his speech by solemnly intoning, We want the world, and we want it now! Which was rad when I thought it was a Ramones quote, but once I realized that it was a Doors reference, just reaffirms that Magneto is, in fact, totally evil. The UN is initially unimpressed by the Morrison-quoting menace, and refuses to accede to his demands. An incensed Magneto implores Alpha to demonstrate his powers. Alpha complies, 
and lifts the UN building high into the sky, suspending it hovering above the rest of the city. Which is impressive and all, but also totally the sort of thing Magneto could have done on his own. Soon after the assembly building's abrupt ascension, the defenders arrive back in New York. Steve's pretty sure that the UN didn't used to be floating in the sky, and he has a hunch that Magneto and his cronies just might be involved. Figured that one out all on your own, did you, Steve? Move over, Batman. There's a new world's greatest detective on the block. Having cemented his credentials as a sleuth supreme, Steve and his non-teammates take to the skies and land on the roof of the UN. Unfortunately, Mastermind senses their presence. Which is, I guess, a thing he can do? Because he can make illusions? Whatever. Magneto orders Alpha to destroy the Defenders. When the minutes-old Maxi-Mortal has the temerity to question his polarizing patriarch, Magneto flies into a fury and Alpha once again agrees to obey the orders of his overbearing creator. But perhaps as a compromise, does a pretty half-assed job of attempting to destroy his foes. The allegedly all-powerful abnormal infant makes a bunch of rock monsters who the defenders manage to smash the shit out of with relative ease. After dispatching their stony foes, our protagonists bust down the UN doors, intent on getting their thwart on for realsies. Magneto once again commands Alpha to destroy the defenders. Alpha once again balks, but somewhat more eloquently this time. Magneto insists that the defenders are evil and must be stopped. Wait a minute. Magneto, your gang has evil right in the name. If you're going to try to pin that on the opposition, you're going to have to first explain to your kid what sarcasm is, and then try to convince him that that's what you were going for when you named your team. Which is, I guess something Magneto must have done between panels, because Alpha complies with his pop's wishes and turns the Hulk to stone. Shitty. Then he turns Valkyrie's legs into literal putty. Super shitty. What terrifying fate awaits Nighthawk, who is the next to attack? Alpha makes him very dizzy and then fall asleep. Truly a fate worse than death. Each time Alpha uses his abilities, he gets smarter and more powerful, and each time that happens, he gets skinnier and bigger-headed. Now he's got a light bulb shaped head, like when Ken Griffey couldn't stop drinking Nerve Tonic in that one episode of The Simpsons. Oh, or like when you unlock Big Head mode in NBA Jam. Oh, or like Kelsey Grammer. Steve is about to attack the Fraser-like godling and probably get, I don't know, a paper cut or a hot foot or something, seeing how there seems to be a de-escalation in the severity of Alpha's attacks, when good old Charlie X intercedes and tells Steve to stand down. He tells Alpha, Hey, you know how Magneto says that we're evil? Well, nah-ah, he's evil! This stunning bit of oratory gives Alpha pause. Magneto tries to counter his follicle-free frequent foe with a yuh-huh, but Chuck must have used his formidable mental powers to instate some kind of a no-backsies rule, because Magneto's defense falls on deaf ears. Alpha, who now looks like a skinny Uatu the Watcher in a loincloth, gets all cosmic and gazes into the true nature of the feuding superfolk. He uses some kind of ethereal cosmic metaphoric scale to weigh their comparative evil or some such nonsense and he comes to the conclusion that the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants are, in fact, evil. Wow. He must really have some amazing mental powers. Alpha decides to take a page out of Steve's book and set the world back exactly the way it had been before and mind-wipe the Earth's population, erasing any memory of the events of that day. Then he turns himself into a beam of pure energy 
and launches himself into space. What? What a rip-off ending. That's like barely half a notch up from It Was All a Dream, or Was It? Man, what bullshit... Wait. Wait a minute. I just saw the last panel and I take it all back. Best ending ever. Before he launches himself into space, Alpha turns the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants into little crying babies. He shrinks down their uniforms too, but not all the way, and now their clothes are too big, and those crying evil babies wearing too big supervillain uniforms are just fucking adorable. Hooray! Brotherhood of Evil Mutant Babies is my new favorite thing. Please, please let me write that series. Please. So good. So good. And joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. All right. You know what's cool? What? We made our Patreon goal. We're going to be covering the giant-sized Defenders and the new Teen Titans annuals. Sweet. Yeah. I think that'll be some fun. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, nice job. But we're not going to do it yet because we got some storylines to cover up. Not to cover up. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. It's Watergate all over again, just in time uh, totally for October is. of 1974. So true. No, but we'll finish up the storylines that we are covering now, and then we will get into that stuff. I don't think the new Teen Titans annual is coming up until after the next storyline after the Brother Blood one. But, yeah, we'll hit giant-sized Defenders in two weeks. Oh, my goodness. So much comic. 80-page giant, dude. Whoa. Remember those 80-page giant original Teen Titans series that we covered? Mm Mm-hmm. Those were long. I know. But they were also pretty fun. I hope this one's fun, too. Is it still 70s-ish or 80s? It is. Okay, it's 70s. The story for Giant Size Defenders number one fits between their battle with Zemnu and their battle with the man who sold the Earth. Bought the Earth? Wait, David Bowie? Yup. Oh, no, I remember this. Yeah, uh, so that should be pretty fun. All right. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about right now. Right now we're talking about Defenders number 16. So, what'd you think? Uh, you know, solid comic book. Kind of mediocre, though. Yeah, it didn't really seem to be a story that Ween was, like, super dying to tell. It seemed like, I gotta tell a story this month. Okay, here's one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Yeah. Until the very end. Then it became awesome. <laughs> oh my fucking god, I want a Brotherhood of Evil Mutant Baby spinoff so bad. That was hilarious. I, I am just absolutely picturing them trying to be raised by Nanny from the Muppet Babies and getting into <laughs> all kinds of evil misadventures. I really, really want that to happen. It's They're all so cute. <laughs> Magneto <laughs> swimming inside that giant helmet as a little baby. They Well, they th- that's the thing, too. They shrunk the costumes down, but not down so that they fit them perfectly. No, just, just a little bit. Yeah, so by the time they were, I don't know, three or so, maybe they'd be grown in. Oh, that'd be so cute mm-hmm. with a toddler. Mm-hmm. I mean, toddlers' heads are pretty big. True. So, yeah, that I think is going to be real, real good. Yeah can't wait to read that i'm hoping that's what the next issue is Mm -hmm. 17 just switches over the continuing adventures of baby (laughs) evil brotherhood of mutants it's so weird because mastermind's pretty cute baby yeah turned out in a really stupid looking grown-up okay well here's the thing maybe he's a perfectly normal looking grown-up and that he (laughs) wears as an illusion he thinks his look looks really really good 
I think we got into this once before, but that is bad. Oh, it's a terrible look, and the fact that he can look like whatever he wants to look like and he chooses to look like that makes it extra bad. Boo. Agreed. Agreed. So much boo for a mastermind. Mm. Ugh. Brotherhood of Evil Mutant Babies aside, for now. Yeah, like I said, it felt like a placeholder issue. Like, the, the past two kind of have. It's like, well, okay, there has to be a story this month, so I guess this? I find bullshit nigh-omnipotent powers can be pretty fun. Like Magneto, like, figuring out ways that magnetism can do just about anything. I mean, it's stupid, but it's kind of fun. Sure. Just having an omnipotent character is way less fun. And that's kind of what Alpha is. I also got really confused when I first opened the comic book. Because we didn't see what Alpha looked like at all in the last issue. Mm-hmm. And on the cover, we see him as, like, a skinny Watu the Watcher. Yep. Like, giant head. Mm-hmm. Weird eyebrows. Weird eyebrows. Like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And then, on the very first page, you open it up, and you see him for the first time canonically, and he looks like a shaved-down George the Animal Steel. That's exactly what he looks like. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that was what I was like, wait, what? I had to flip back to the cover and be <laughs> like, no, this cover's by Sal Buscema, too. I don't understand... And as it goes on, you understand that he evolves to start looking like Mm -hmm. that dude. But I liked him kind of better as the shaved down George the Animal Steel. Really goofy looking. Really goofy looking. It almost seemed to me, too, I was thinking about the the Watchers as a, you know, a a race. And there's no canonical connection between this guy and them, is there? I don't think so. I, I could totally see that being retconned in, though. Yeah. That's the thing about omnipotent characters, too. They can do fucking whatever. Like, oh, maybe once he uses his power seven times, then he can do time travel. You know, I heard this thing on the radio driving over here that was, uh, they were talking to this this physicist who was saying that that time, that the laws of physics apply, you know, whether or not time is moving forward or backward or, you know, where where it is in the continuum at all. Basically, it's it's an irrelevant thing to the way that the universe is is working as we know it so it's possible that that is the origin story of the uh the watchers okay i didn't really understand oh physics yeah oh i get it physics sure man it sounded so much more eloquent when i was listening (laughs) to it i think i might have missed it it's funny i heard something really interesting on the radio earlier today too um, it was Radar Love by Golden Ear. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you'd like to uh, do as good of a job paraphrasing <laughs> that as I just did the physics thing. Well, we've got this thing, uh-huh. and it's called Radar Love. Right. We've got a star in the sky. Okay. Um, um, radar Love. Mm. Because I see. Because of physics. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, yeah. man my comic book science is getting pretty good yeah i know you got it down (laughs) man (laughs) time is irrelevant because physics agreed but yeah i could totally see him like so he goes off into space he's the only one of his kind but there is that one panel where he decides to go off into space where he starts judging them and he holds them up on a giant scale and shit Mm -hmm. the full page oh yeah panel he absolutely in the background the shot of him, I thought maybe it was the Watcher. Mm-hmm. I think it would make actually a fair amount of sense if he then decided to found the race of the Watchers. Sure. So, maybe. I don't know. I mean, his clothes would have to change a little bit by that time. 
I thought it was kind of funny that he was just wearing the same unintentional pants as the Hulk the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah. Like, well, as a newborn baby, I would think, like, maybe they would put him in, like, an actual diaper or something. Just, like, the fact that those were new clothes that were designed for him by Magneto, apparently, and he just decided to put him in some ragged cutoffs. They're not even cutoffs. It's, like, a green sarong that's frayed and short. Yeah. Like a loincloth. But, like, he grew out of it. But then, as he, as his head gets bigger, his body shrinks and the thing still fits, which means presumably he is reimagining those clothes again for himself. I would have liked it if, as he evolved, he also got better dressed. Sure. Like, goes from the ragged sarong to a nice pair of jorts. <laughs> and then <laughs> the next evolutionary step is corduroys. Yeah. Classy. And then by the end, he's wearing a turtleneck uh-huh. with some uh, with a tweed jacket with leather elbow patches. Sure. He's probably going to keep the corduroys if he does that. Well, yeah, I'd imagine so. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's just shirtless and corduroys before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Okay. It's an evolutionary it. process, Corey. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Stop somewhere in the mid-70s, but... Right. Fair enough. Well, this is the, that's when the book came out. I know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I get it. Although I think, you know, fashion evolution stopped in the 70s as well. After that, it's that been was a the slow decline. It really was. <laughs> Big collars. Yeah. Tight, stretchy pants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All downhill from there, buddy. You want to talk about accents? Oh, man, can we? We have an adventure to the UN. Which confused me at first. I didn't realize they were at the UN. I knew they had gone to New York City. I missed the one panel where it said they were outside of the UN building. And they're walking down the street and there are they run into two Arabic people who are wearing full robes and stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. They knew that, like, New York was a very diverse city even in the, That's what even in the 70s. That was absolutely what I thought. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, they're just showing New York City as being a very culturally diverse I Mecca, didn't read almost. it that way at all. I was like, why are these dudes from the Crusades issue like <laughs> suddenly like, back here? Because they were like the same characters. They weren't yelling them. and trying to kill anybody and calling them infidels? No, but they were also like, by the eyes of Allah, it's uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I guess. It is still by far the least stereotypical depiction of Arabs in this comic book we have seen so far. Well, it's been a long time since the Crusades, Hub. That's true. (laughs) That's true. I mean, don't get me wrong. Still, very stereotypical. Yeah. Yeah, so then Magneto goes to the UN, and a couple of things happen there. First of all, he meets the dumbest cop in the world, who remembers that he is facing Magneto from before (laughs) and points a gun at him So it appears the mulish masses of humanity have not forgotten me. Cop points a gun at Magneto, says, Not a chance, mutant, after what you pulled the last time you were here. So you take one step closer, and I swear I'll shoot. Okay, so you remember that he's Magneto, the master of magnetism. You remember what he did the last time he was at the UN, which I don't, but I guess it wasn't good. Sure. And probably involved, I don't know, magnetism. Yeah. And you point a gun at him and threaten to shoot him. Pretty dumb. Really dumb. Maybe the cop had rubber bullets. Still could have yanked a gun out of his... Yeah, he didn't have a rubber gun. That's what we need, more (laughs) rubber guns. Yep. But once Magneto gets inside of the UN, he demands that they turn over the world to him, 
which is fun. But he needs a podium to say that, which I was tickled by. I liked he that, too. He goes through some, some, some effort to remove people from the podium so he can go stand up there. And well, he needs people. to have a... Yeah, if you're giving an important speech in front of the UN, you need to have a podium. Mm-hmm. And when he first gets up to the podium, he gives his speech about how he wants mutants to take over every nation in the world, and sure. he will be the leader. Mm-hmm. But then there's a close-up panel of him where he quotes the Ramones and just yells, We want the world, and we want it now! Oh, yep. I'm sure other people have used that phrase before, but when I hear that, I think of, We want the airwaves, baby, for rock and roll to stay alive! Mm. So I'm guessing that is the abridged version of his speech, Mm -hmm. and that it cut off the parts where he says, We want the airwaves, baby, Mm -hmm. and probably also the part where he just addresses the UN and says, Gabba Gabba Hey! Mm-hmm. Gabba gabba hey. Yeah. So swears Magneto. Ah. But there is a rebuttal to Magneto, which is, man, there is a lot to choose from in issues we have covered so far. This might be my favorite accent work so far. Really? I don't know, man. It's up there. Gotten Himmel, we are floating in midair a half mile over Dur City. So, at this point, I presume that speech is made after someone says, the honorable gentleman from made up has the floor. Because <laughs> that is a crazy accent. You can try and make it sound more German, because it's supposed to be German. Gotten Himmel, we are floating in midair. The floating. Like, that's so Russian to me. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way to... We are floating in midair, a half mile <laughs> over Dur City. <laughs> so, pretty great. Before we get to the UN, though, there's some weird shit that goes down. First of all, I was delighted to see Val's sword finally cut through some shit in this issue. Something other than a steamroller. Yes, presumably. Unless the Carlsbad Caverns are made out of steamrollers. I don't know a lot about geology. Probably not. That would be my guess. It's... And also, she also manages to cut through some stone warriors that Alpha makes. Limestone and granite. Yeah. Good to know. See, we know their chemical composition. Mm-hmm. That's what it said in the comic book. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, okay. It doesn't say what Carlsbad Caverns are made out of, though. It says she cut through limestone and granite. And oh, she is that when she cuts through her that? way out of the Carlsbad Caverns. Oh, that's caverns. what she cuts through in Carlsbad Caverns. Yes. Oh, I thought you meant the stone warriors are made out of limestone and granite. No, they're just made out of stone. Or steamrollers. Cool. That is good to note. Yeah, so I was, I was delighted to see that. That mm-hmm. was pretty nice. Yep. I was confused that Steve couldn't teleport them because he's teleported them plenty of times in the past. Sometimes cross-country. I would, like, even if his teleportation powers aren't, like, super great right then, I would suspect he could teleport them, I don't know, like, 30 feet up, and then they'd just be outside and could go there. Unless he just fucking has it in for the Carlsbad Caverns because nobody feels bad at all about fucking destroying this national monument. No. They fucked the Carlsberg Caverns up something fierce. Yeah, well, mostly that's Magneto. No, that's mostly fucking the Hulk. Well, he, he smashes the rocks, he man. He has to get out. They can't stay in there and just No, they die. could fucking teleport. See, this is the problem that we always run into with, with big powers. Yeah, that they have to be treated inconsistently, 
or there's no point in storytelling. With bad excuses, too. Or yeah. no lack of no excuses. excuses. Yeah, I'm well, fine with bad excuses. I know. He did. Dr. Strange could have been like, I'm tired from the battle. Yeah. I'm spent from the battle, and also I need solar powers to recharge my teleportation. I think he had said something about that in the past. I think during the Avengers Defenders War, he was like, my teleportation likes the sun for some reason. If it's not a full moon in the month of June, it won't work. Yeah, uh, it has to be rhyming, at least. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things. Yeah, he could have said a ton of shit, but he didn't bother saying anything. He's just like, I can't teleport right now. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> typical. Yeah, typical Steve. I think he was just tired of Professor X telling him what to do. Because mm. Professor X definitely like just takes the helm of the team. Yep. As soon as he shows up. I wonder if he uses his telepathic influence to do that. Mm. Because Steve defers judgment to him pretty readily. That like, seems weird. Kind of gets ordered around by him a little bit, which is just like, oh, okay, you're taking direction surprisingly well, Steve. Mm. Maybe Charlie X is up in your noodle. Oh. <laughs> you know it. But speaking of them... Riding roughshod over the National Monument of the Cap Carlsbad Caverns. Which is fucked up, man. I've never been to the Carlsbad Caverns. I always wanted to. Mm. Now I know I needn't bother. It's been smashed all to the dickens. Oh. They do some bad tunnel building. Like, I'm glad they all are able to get out of there. Mm -hmm. Go to the UN. Save the day. Sure. Hurrah. But the process of them getting out there. They don't bother reinforcing the tunnel as they go because they're in such a rush. Mm-hmm. Dude, haven't they seen The Great Escape? You have to reinforce the tunnel when you tunnel out of a place. They have not seen The Great Escape. They should see The Great Escape. It's a good movie. Went a little late. What? It's a little late. Well, it, I guess. The tunnels are destroyed. You can't see the monument. You <sighs> can't go back and retcon in them watching Great Escape so you can go to the girls' bad caverns. You know who could? Alpha. Hmm. Oh. Corey, the laws of physics apply even when time travel is etc. That's true. <laughs> I heard something about that on the radio today. Oh, yeah. Was it the song Radar Love? It was fascinating. <laughs> it sure is. It's a good song. Yeah. I once heard somebody hit on uh, a lady by telling her that his cousin was in Golden Earring. What is that? The band that sang Radar Love. That's the name of the band? I didn't even know yeah. about that. I was at a bus stop. How'd that go? I don't think well, oh. but it was st still just like, I assume it's true because that is such a strange thing to lie about. This didn't happen in like the 70s when that song had come out recently either. Uh -huh. And it was kind of apropos of nothing. Just the dude's like, hey. Hey, my cousin's in golden earring. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. So followed up by like, they're playing at the Washington County Fair. Would you like to come? Possibly. I think my bus might have come before that. Oh. I think mostly it was just like, so I'm a very important person. <laughs> no, clearly. But so, they don't watch The Great Escape. The tunnel collapses. Hulk, very heroically, says, My friends, you need to get out of here. I will hold this tunnel up with my incredible Hulk strength. Right. Get out of here. And they all do. And it's such a nice moment. And then the tunnel collapses on him. And Nighthawk is aghast. And Valkyrie is distraught because they think that the Hulk is dead. And Steve, 
I think has been taking grief counseling lessons from Donna in the new Teen Titan <laughs> because he is immediately like, Val, don't be so upset. It's probably for the best that the Hulk is dead. Uh, what the fuck, Steve? Yeah. Even if you think that, don't fucking say it. Don't weep, Val. He does say it's probably for the best. He says it's probably for the best. <laughs> Why would you say that? I... I because you're Steve fucking Strange. Well, he that's follows right. it up with, it's probably for the best. He's at peace now. It's not oh, like, well, that's so much better. Well, the Hulk was not... He was doing fine. He's been really happy really, lately. Yeah. He's been having a good time. Please, Val, don't weep. Perhaps it is all for the best. Perhaps now the Hulk has finally found peace. Boo. Jesus fucking Christ, Steve. You just got him to be your friend. This is how you treat your friends. Very upsetting. But the Hulk, thank God, is all right. Mm -hmm. Much to Steve's disappointment, I'm sure. It's like, I gave such a great speech. <laughs> I was so good at comforting people. I shocked Val into not weeping. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was his, his plan? No. Like, a... if, I'm as, if I'm a big enough dick, perhaps she will be too <laughs> angry to be sad. No. He... I'm such a good friend. No, he just thought he's saying the right thing <laughs> they do end up flying very quickly apparently they don't teleport but they get to new york like with a quickness and then they end up convincing alpha to re-examine because he gets like super flower set for algernon smart like all of a sudden then the conclusion of that there's a couple of things first of all magneto tries to convince alpha that Doctor Strange and Professor X and the Defenders are evil. Now, normally, especially if they had heard what Steve had just said about the Hulk, mm -hmm. I would say maybe you've got a decent case. The guy doing the convincing, man, I'm just going to say, if you're going to accuse somebody else of being evil, maybe check your letterhead first and see if it is from the desk of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah. It says evil on the box. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You're going to have a tough time convincing a now super intelligent being that, no, they're the evil ones. Yeah, but, you know, in his defense to date, the speed at which Alpha had evolved was, like, he was just like, he came into this world and, like, Dr. Train shot him. Yeah, no kidding. And then everybody else tried to attack him and he was just like, oh, God, <laughs> this is awful. Steve's, Steve's defense was, like, Magneto at first was pretty protective and he's like, don't! You better not hurt him! He's just a baby! <laughs> it's, yeah! Well, and Steve's response is, well, Can a baby even feel pain? <laughs> he did! He's like, Can a newborn godling, godling even fathom the, what pain is? Alright, we'll shoot him again! <laughs> and then he shoots him again! And, like, the captioning is, I don't know, that's an interesting question, Steve, but he feels something and he doesn't like it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, like, what ah, the fuck? I just picture Steve as a doctor working in the hospital and just going around and, like, punching babies and saying, like, it's fine, they're babies. They can't feel anything. Uh, yeah, Doctor Strange. Can, it's like, you're hurting that baby. Can a baby even feel pain? <laughs> Nobody knows. Punch, punch, punch. No need for anesthetic here. Oh. Oh, Steve. Bad job, man. Yep, all around. Yeah. But, I will say, I think by the end, Alpha has imprinted on a new father figure. 
because once he decides that, no, you know what? The defenders are the good guys. Magneto is the bad guy. Magneto has like a pretty decent about face where he's just like, yeah, okay, I did lie to you, but I lied to you because you were a baby and you wouldn't understand things. I did it to protect you. Like pretty standard parent shit. Elf is not buying it. Mm -hmm. And instead he decides that Doctor Strange and Charlie X are the good guys. Debatable. (laughs) But he really shows that he is converted to Steve's way of thinking because what he does at the end is mind wipe the world. Apparently, except for the Defenders. Mm -hmm. So he gives them the full Avengers Defenders war treatment and then pulls a poochie from the Simpson and goes back to his home planet in space, leaving the Brotherhood of Evil Mutant Babies in his wake. Yeah, weird choice, man. A lot of interesting choices, but clearly Steve is his new daddy Mm -hmm. if he's going to be mind-wiping the world. True. Those babies will be fine. They don't feel pain. (laughs) Do you think that was his thinking? I don't know. <laughs> Do you think he had identified with Steve so much at that point that he's just like, I am mad that they are in fact evil, but they did bring me into this world. I don't want them to feel any pain. Babies! <laughs> They'll be safest now. Yeah. Can't hurt babies. <laughs> nope. Impossible. Do they even know what pain is? Nobody knows. It was also a little bit confusing to me. Uh, the evolutionary steps on the way for him to get from George the Animal Steel to Skinny Uatu the Watcher. Mm -hmm. When he hit the medium point when they're fighting in the UN, there were a couple of panels of him where I got really confused because there would be a shot of him and I would be like, why is Professor X naked? (laughs) Yeah, they were drawn quite similar. Yeah, they looked pretty much identical. I was like, oh, wait, why is... Did Professor S just take off all his clothes to distract Magneto? Over here. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty good fighting technique, I guess. Yeah, no, I actually had a little bit of that. I can't really do hand-to-hand combat, so psychological warfare it is. Yeah, the whole evolution of Alpha is bullshit in this comic book. It kind of is. But then at the end, he flies off to space and erases everyone's memory. No harm, no foul. It was all a dream, or was it? Hmm. It is kind of one of those bullshit, this story has no consequences endings. Except for leaving the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants as babies, which I don't know how that resolved itself, and I kind of don't want to because I want to imagine their adventures. And I really want there to be a spin-off series. I may have said this before. Hey Marvel, can I write Brotherhood of Evil Mutant babies? Especially oh, shit. now... Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Marvel is owned by Disney. Muppets are owned by Disney. Crossover. Oh, you could... Brotherhood of Evil Mutant Babies versus Muppet Babies. Marvel, Disney, you guys would make so much money. You're leaving money on the table if you don't hire me to write this series. You're throwing it away. God damn it. Flushing it down the... What's the matter, Marvel, Disney? Don't you like money? We thought you did. Hmm? Guess not. I don't hear anybody calling. Nope. My phone is silent. I mean, I have it on silent because we're recording anyway, oh, but right. it's also not ringing. Yeah, because the laws of physics, as I understand them, mean that those guys probably heard this already, so uh-huh. they should be calling by now. I would imagine so. The time and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Radar love. Radar love. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ready to move on to the minutia? That covered my extensive notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick. You want to sing us in? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, thanks. 
All right, so what do you feel like hitting up first? I had trouble with sartorially speaking. Did you find any tidbits that I might have missed? Well, we talked about it a little bit already, but... <laughs> you the... went with the green torn loincloth? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. It's interesting and noteworthy, and the fact that it was a look that Alpha apparently was fond of enough that he kept it through all of his evolutionary states, when his mind powers can do pretty much anything. Like, could have gone with a three-piece suit, could have had some crazy space shit, could have given himself a nice Dracula collar. Or like, he's just so badassly omnipotent that he doesn't care. Maybe. 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 But I did want to touch on that. But we, as I said, we talked about that uh, a little bit beforehand. I also was struck by Professor X's nice ascot. That's what I had. Yeah, he's wearing a nice purple ascot. Yep. Dark green blazer or yeah. shirt. Yeah, just like nice upper class casual wear. Like, pretty much screams old money. Like, pretty much everything about Professor X. Mm -hmm. But it's a good look for him. I think it suits him pretty well. And, uh, yeah, nice purple ascot. Pretty good. I hadn't thought of green and purple as being a, a good clothing color combination before, but well, he, see, he makes it look good. It's weird because it's one that you see ascribed to villains almost exclusively. Uh, Doctor Doom, mm -hmm, Green mm -hmm. Goblin, Lex Luthor, mm. Professor X. What? I mean, technically the Hulk, but it's really just his clothing is just purple. Right. As he can't help that. It Those colors go good together. I think they do. They're, you know, they're almost complementary colors. Mm. So you could make, like, a whole colored suit and uh, tie ensemble. Oh, totally. Purple and green. Mm -hmm. I think it would be a nice look. But it would have to be with torn cutoffs. Mm -hmm. If it's Hulk-themed, I'm sorry, but it needs to be unintentional shorts. You'd have to wear green tights under them. <laughs> oh, I'm seeing some look yeah, coming there, together. It's there's pr a pretty good possibility. Pretty good. I know it's where green and purple, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so in this issue, as every issue, somebody's got to be a sucker. Mm. Not unlike the fat boys in Crush Groove. Mm -hmm. In this issue, which character acted against his previously established character in order to further the plot? Who just had to be a sucker? In this issue, the character that had to be a sucker was Alpha himself. Because oh, yes? he went from, I'm going to do everything that the mean man tells me to, to, I stand in judgment of you. Mm, I Re think that's just growing up. I mean, didn't that, fast. didn't that happen to you as a teenager? You went from doing what your parents said to standing in judgment of them. Well, sure, but <laughs> that took, you know, years. Yeah, that's but I mean, it's an accelerated over. growth rate. Just I don't because buy it. you're a process from shaved George the Animal Steel to Uatu the Watcher took 19 years. Mm -hmm. Alpha's on a different pace. Sorry, dude. It turned around too fast. Okay, I can and understand too that. abruptly. I actually had a couple of different things uh, for this. Potentially, I had Steve not teleporting them when I feel like he, he can teleport things. Yeah, um, it's not out of character for him to be like, I don't feel like doing this thing. Meh. I guess you're right. I also had Mastermind, who displayed some previously unknown precognitive abilities when they are in the UN and the defenders are outside, and he just goes, Magneto, the defenders are near. I can sense them. Mm -hmm. You can? No, you can't. You don't have telepathy. Do you? Maybe. There's a lot about the Mastermind I don't know. But that's not necessarily the motivation. So what I decided to go with was Magneto in his characteristic villain stance of no i'm not going to kill you i want you to be alive to see the world crumble and burn ah, ha, 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 ha. right to a couple of pages later being like 
Now, you know what? Go ahead and kill them. Well, after the whole cave escape thing? Yeah, they escape from the cave, and then he's like, no, kill them. Well, like, sure. Like you Just the back and forth there. Why not, why not have him send them back to a cave? Like, at that point, dude can do whatever you want. Why not jam him in a fucking snow globe? Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Kill them. All right. I like that is <laughs> that old proverb. Fool me once, shame on you. Yeah. Fool me twice, kill them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that old chestnut. I'm still going with Magneto, but uh, you make some interesting points. In my note taking for this, I kept I shortened his name to Nito. Ooh, I like it. I keep calling Nito. I think that's cool. I bet that's what his friends call him. No, his friends call him Master. Once he becomes a more fleshed out, nuanced character, I think he's got friends. I think at this point, his friends call him Master. What was your favorite sound effect? My favorite sound effect is when a young, not yet fully evolved, Alpha rips the UN out of the ground and causes it to float above the city. Mm-hmm. It makes the sound crump. Pretty good. Yeah. Doing that clown dance. It's with a couple K's, a couple R's, and ends with a couple P's. Not too shabby. Not bad. My favorite was when Doctor Strange was using his, I don't know, bolts of bedevilment? Ruby rays, whatever it was, he was firing at Carlsbad Cavern to fuck up mm. one of our national treasures. It made the noise zumped. Oh yeah, that was a good one. And it was like zumped. That's fun. I have not heard that before. Pretty good. Very lasery sounding though. Like if you, yeah, like zumped. I was bedeviled by it. Ooh. So I think it was the bolts. 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 Yeah. What's your favorite panel? I had a couple. Yeah, me too. Well, I think just the most obvious one we got to get out of the way is the, the baby evil mutants. Yeah, I mean, that is clearly the best one, is the last page, the last panel. <laughs> the crying evil mutant babies. It's so cute. It's so cute. Hilarious and adorable. Oh, uh, Unis is just drowning in that turtleneck. <laughs> what a little... What a little, a little ragamuffin. Yep. For a backup, I had on page... 23 it's when alpha is zapping somebody or something i can't remember what but he's holding out his hand and it's all kind of like orange and red in the background and his hand is taking up the whole foreground of the image and it's very just graphical and he looks you know kind of godlike and well done yeah. panel yeah i had a couple of backups as well one is on page 11 when charlie x is scanning the world looking for magneto and he finds him and you see the little image of magneto inside of charlie's eyeball or inside the silhouette of charlie's eyeball it's just really really cool looking graphic interpretation of a telepathic search for someone looks better in the colorized version it does you you mentioned that you had initially been reading the black and white reprint and Mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't look as cool no but i really dug that panel a lot i also loved the close-up of that magneto's face when he says he wants the airwaves baby i mean when he says we want the world and we want it now (laughs) that the airwaves is implied yeah yeah they're gonna take it anyhow Mm -hmm. i enjoyed that a lot i also really liked the full page of the newly uatuized alpha holding the giant i'm assuming metaphoric scales in front of him but he might Mm -hmm. have just summoned some scales and Mm -hmm. literally weighed the evil in them but it was just this really cool picture of him holding up these giant scales and having the brotherhood of evil mutants on one side and the defenders on the other and determining who's right and who's wrong and it was just a really cool cosmic looking picture heavy stuff pretty good but of course the best is brotherhood of evil mutant babies yep my new cash cow 
for Marvel Disney. Let's get it going, Marvel Disney. Come on, get on the horn, guys. Let's make this thing happen. What were your favorite words? It was funny. You read them when we were uh, reading the book, the comic earlier. You they're, actually they're Hulk. Yeah, they're they're. Hulk I had a words. couple of different Hulk choices. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go with that one first? Yeah, that was my favorite. Was Hulk says, "Ah, when Hulk smashes something, it stays smashed." <laughs> Pretty good. My favorite Hulk line was actually before that, because he says that after he smashes the Rock Warriors mm-hmm. that uh, Alpha had summoned to fight them. Sure. I preferred before that when. It turns out that he was fine from having the rocks fall on his head in Carlsbad Caverns. I'm sorry, the former Carlsbad Caverns. Mm -hmm. Now the Carlsbad Mountain with no egress. Hulk says, bah, stupid rocks tried to smash Hulk. Hulk smashed back. Mm. Really, really nice. I enjoyed that a lot. Of course, the accent work of the UN delegate I enjoyed a lot. There was some really fun caption work in there too. But uh, I'm going to go with, bah, stupid rocks tried to smash Hulk. Hulk smashed back. Two for Hulk, two for smashing. Mm-hmm. How bad. Best defender, worst offender. In this issue, who did you feel was the worst offender? Do you want to say it together? Yep. One, two, three. Steve. Steve. <laughs> yeah, man. Fuck that guy. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, we talked about all of the reasons. I think the main one that it comes down to for me is, one, assuming that babies can't feel pain, and two, attending the Donna Troy School of Grief Counseling, dismissing the Hulk's noble sacrifice. Those were the two things I had written down. Attacking baby, (laughs) mean to Hulk. (laughs) Really on par with one another, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. Pretty much. Yeah, bad job, dude. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. I'm going to give him from the benefit of the doubt so that I can go on liking him somewhat as a main character in this uh, comic book and say that Professor X was mind controlling him. Ah, okay. But yeah, bad job. Mm-hmm. Bad job. Conversely, best defender. Conversely, indeed. You went with the Hulk? I went with the Hulk. I did too, although strong, strong second place to Val for me. Dragon Fang finally cut through some shit. Mm-hmm. Sliced up some rock warriors real good. And it was her that was just like, well, we can't teleport. We're still getting out of here and starts slicing up the cave wall, which I know it's kind of hypocritical because I was mad at them all for destroying Carlsbad Cavern earlier. Mm-hmm. But mostly I'm mad at Steve for that because I think he could have teleported them out. Yeah, good leadership on Val's part. Yeah, but no, Hulk did fucking great, man. Mm-hmm. Heroic sacrifice. Didn't even think of it. Nope. Grade A smashing. Just hell of a guy. Yep. Hell of a guy. Couple good lines. Mm-hmm. Now... I will say, worst offender throughout the issue, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants did not do shit in this issue. I know Magneto has a new toy that has, like, omnipotent powers, but, like, you still got Mastermind, Unis, The Blob, and Lorelei. At least have them do something, man. Mm -hmm. Really, the only contribution any of them made to anything was Mastermind's suddenly manifest precognitive abilities. Other than that, they did not do jack shit in this issue, and they were still just hanging out. It, it annoyed me, frankly. Well, they got turned into babies. Well, that'll teach them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adorable evil babies. <sighs> Thanks to our generous Patreon donors. Let's see what's happening on the Wong side of the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> well, all of this malarkey's going on with babies and mutants in the UN... What's Wong up to? Recovery. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. What is he recovering from? Hijinks. 
Oh, what kind of hijinks? So, Wong, at the, the beginning of October, was the debut of a, a movie that became an American classic. Oh, yes. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Which, you know, Wong, through a series of misunderstandings, wound up going to see. He's not really... A not a horror fan. Not, not a horror fan. He's had some bad luck with films lately. He has had terrible luck with didn't films. Didn't care. I'm, I'm, it sounds like he didn't care for this one. Nope. Certainly didn't care for Death Wish. No. Do you know they're remaking Death Wish with Bruce Willis? No. Yeah. <laughs> Boo. That wasn't an actual fart. That was me making a fart noise with my mouth while I gave a thumbs down at the microphone. Yeah. yeah. A, they don't need to remake that. B, Bruce Willis. So, Boo. Wong was disturbed by the movie but he was also disturbed by that throughout the years dr strange turns out it's kind of into halloween <laughs> i can see that yeah likes to decorate the place he's a very theatrical gentleman stir things up you and... you know what you're wearing a dracula cape chances are you're into halloween right? yeah so he's always stringing up you know kind of those like um they're not exactly booby traps, but like the, the you know, the you come around the corner and the skeleton comes out and goes, ah, ha, 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 and scares the shit out of you. <laughs> Only it's probably a real skeleton. Yeah. And Wong has fucking had it with this shit. Yeah. And it happens all the time. Okay. He leaves watching the premiere of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and his shit is freaked out. He's like, sure. you know. A little frazzled. Yeah. Leatherface is scary as shit. Agreed. So he goes and he has a fucking Leatherface mask and outfit and fake chainsaw made. And he's like, I am finally going to get Dr. Strange back. Does he? Well, he waits until Halloween, and he puts on his getup, and he gets it ready, and he, he, like, hides around the corner, and Doctor Strange, like, you know, the doorbell rings, trick-or-treaters are coming, he's like, oh, yes, the children are coming. I will give them some mystical treats. And as he comes around the corner, you know, Wong, in his leather face, get up, jumps out, and is like, ah! Which startles the shit out of Doctor Strange, uh-huh. and causes him to blast the shit out of Wong with... Oh, his yeah, bolts of bedevilment? Exactly. Ah, oh, jeez. And so Wong had a really, really bad... Really bad uh, October 31st? Yep. So, pretty much ruined Halloween. Thanks, Leatherface. Well, Thanks, he, may, he may have had a pretty bad October 31st, but he had a pretty great October 30th. Oh, shit. Did he go to Africa? He went to he went through Zaire to get to Zaire. <laughs> and he attended, you know, Wong, Master of Martial Arts. Mm-hmm. But really just a fan of all forms of highly skilled physical combat. So, naturally, big fan of Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. Sure. Big fan of George Foreman. Two good martial artists in their right. In their own right, yes. So, yes, he, he was attending the Rumble in the Jungle. He had a great time there. It was an amazing fight. Good. Mm-hmm. It was chanting Ali Bumbaye along with everybody He was else. an Ali fan. Yeah. Of yeah. course. I mean, yeah. But... You know who he was not a fan of? Mm. This rude-ass motherfucker, full of bombast, named Don King. Oh, I thought you were going to say Norman Mailer was there. <laughs> he was, yeah, that too. He also was not a fan of Norman Mailer. They didn't really get along. He wrote a great book about that fight, though. Yeah, no, he's a decent writer, but... Yeah. Uh, and anyway, I, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... He's like, who is this? The rude guy keeps jostling him and like filling him with bombast when he was trying to meet Muhammad Ali and mm-hmm. say like, hey, congratulations, man. If you ever want to learn some other martial arts, perhaps we could give pointers to each other. Oh. Uh, perhaps you would like to join the Defenders. We could use it. Ah. God, I would love that. Oh, that would be um, cool. But he doesn't get the chance to do that because he is intercepted by Don King. So 
Wong's been living in New York. He was there for the first round of a certain toy that was actually inspired by exploits that uh, he had taken part in called Troll Dolls. You know, those big-haired little oh, like on the pencil? creatures. Yes, like the pencil toppers. Mm-hmm. Now, they first had their bout of popularity in the 60s. They were invented in uh, 1956 by a Norwegian, I believe, woodcarver. But they were inspired by these little gnome-like creatures that Wong was only all too familiar with. He had fought against and by their side on numerous occasions. Mm. And he was like, this motherfucker, I'm going to use my magic and make sure that he has <laughs> troll doll hair for the rest of his days. That's how Don King got his That's hair. That's how Don King got his hair. Oh, he shit. crossed I, uh, Wong. Always wondered that. Well, now you know mm. what happens on the Wong side of the tracks. Oh, that was a long time coming. Oh, okay. Now, see, Corey, that's one we could have used. Oh. <laughs> You've got to save these. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think that's it. Uh, that was what Wong was up to in October of 1974. Mm. Saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Saw the rumble in the jungle. Started to give Strange's comeuppance, but then backfired on him. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, all things considered, pretty decent October. Exciting month. Exciting month. A lot going on. Yep. Speaking of exciting months... Hmm... We'll have one starting next week. It's not a new month next month, <laughs> but the month of next week till a month from next week will be exciting. The laws of time. <laughs> Radar love. So true, Corey. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Next week, we will be back with a continuation of the Brother Blood Saga in the New Teen Titans. Ooh. I'm really excited to get back to that, actually. Yeah, yeah, and then in two weeks, we will be back here with Giant Size Defenders number one. Excellent. It's going to be an interesting issue. It's mostly kind of a clip show type issue where we see flashbacks from various adventures that the Hulk, Strange, and Namor have been on. But there is some interstitial material that was new for the issue that was written by Tony Isabella and drawn by Jim Starlin. And so it looks cool and there's some weird shit going on. Awesome. So. I think that'll be pretty, pretty good. All right. Thank you so much. As I said, those uh, issues are brought to us by you generous Patreon donors. I'm going to start setting some new goals up there, have us cover some other things, possibly the New Teen Titans solo miniseries that came out in the early 80s. A lot of people have been asking us to cover that. But yeah, thank you so much for your generosity. I really appreciate it. It really helps me to be able to prioritize doing this podcast when I've got a lot of other work stuff going on. And I really appreciate that. And letting me know that the podcast is important to you guys helps make it more important to me. If you'd like to get in touch with me, if you have any feedback, uh, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. If you wanted to leave us a review and subscribe to us on iTunes, I think that would be a very nice thing for you to do. We've gotten some really nice reviews lately. I'll have to share them with you later, Corey. But yeah, thanks for doing that, and thanks for tuning in. In summation, due to the laws of physics, we've got a thing called Radar Love. Ha <laughs> ha! So swears Doctor Strange. Bye. Bye. One day, uh, while I was sipping some groove juice, I realized that in the span of time, we're just babies. It's all relative. Time is unreal. We're just babies. We're just babies, man. We're just babies. And they knew it. Yeah.
together? Yep. One, two, three. Doctor Steve. Strange. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should have. Oh, we do. We should have coordinated that yeah. too. Okay, which one? Misunderstanding. Humbaugh Hub's rules of etiquette. What? What are my rules of etiquette? They're... Oh, about the fart eating. Yeah. <laughs> Misunderstanding. Humbaugh Hub's rules of etiquette. It's still a fun song. It is. I don't mind. I can yeah. take a joke. We got a thing called Radar Love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good song. It is a good song. I haven't yeah. heard it for a long time.